And I will tell you, and I've promised the same thing for our listeners and others, the more you step away from the digital artificial connections and step into authentic, real connections with your neighbors, who cares what their opinions are? In fact, the crazier the opinion, the, the better off you might be because you're going to start to recognize that despite that crazy opinion or whatever it might be, you're, you're going to find value in that individual. This is Jeff Birmingham, and welcome to the Extraordinary Us podcast. It's 2022, and we're talking about the future. We're looking forward. Today, I have a good friend of mine, uh, Senator Dan McKay, in the Hi, podcast Dan. studio yeah. with me. How you doing, man? Awesome. You man, look- and I love your digs. These Thanks. are fantastic. Thank you. you look, you're looking good. We're going to talk about the future we're today. Get prescription checked out, folks. <laughs> We are going to talk about the future of politics, about the upcoming legislative session. Before we do that, let me remind you the purpose of the podcast. Number one, no matter our differences, and we're all different. Dan knows that. Everyone is different. But we always have more in common than we do different. We have things to build from. Let's build from common ground. How many people do you represent in your district? Yeah, so right now my district is one of the fastest growing. And so uh, at redistricting, you know, like 11 years ago or 10 years ago, uh, it was 104,000. And it jumped up where I was 16,000 over that number. So I was 120,000. Okay, 120,000. And now after redistricting for this next year, uh, after everything else, I'll be back down to 109,000. Okay, 109,000. There is every sort of person in that 109,000. Yeah. But do you find, and you go across the state, this is one of the tenets of the podcast. I'm kind of doing this differently today. Um, obviously, when when I and we traveled across the state running for governor, you meet every type of person. Everyone's different. But don't you think we always have more to build from in common? How do you do that as a state senator, Dan? You have 109,000 people in your district, every type of person. How do you build from common ground? How do we do this better? Well, isn't that like a skill? Uh, you know, when we, you know, we, Jeff and I both served uh, missionaries. Uh, we were both missionaries for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and one of the key things they're always teaching you, right, is make sure you're building on common beliefs. Focus yeah. on what's common. And it's amazing when you travel around the straight, travel around the state, Democrat, Republican, independent, doesn't matter, right? Partisan. The one thing everybody can agree on is that we love where we live. And we, and we, and I say this, it is universal. Nobody would trade it for somewhere else. Yeah. You know, it's and a good that's, place to be. it is fantastic. And that's, that's the one thing we can all agree on. We can agree that we have a stewardship to care for the land, to care for the state, to care for those things. You can take those things and go in lots of political directions, but those are the two, I think, core principles that everybody can look at and say, I love Utah. I want Utah to be better when I'm gone. Yeah. How am I going to do that? Yeah. When I launched the podcast shortly after running for governor, this was one of the tenets, I think, because I saw this across the state. I saw that there's all different types of people, but we really have more in common than we do different. We need to build from those commonalities. The second tenet of the podcast is that because that's true, let's act with more compassion towards each other, less comparison. Mm -hmm. There's not any comparison in politics, is there, Dan? Oh, brother. (laughs) You know, I think it's funny that you say that because I think the the biggest comparisons come because uh, there's lots of them in politics. Yep. Uh, and 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 I will say the worst part about politics is 
the the talking heads, the TV people, and even politicians force you into choices that are really false choices in some ways, where you have to choose between this guy or that guy or this person, this person's policies and their solutions. And I tell you, there's so many times that people try and trap you into a, a way of thinking that this way is better than the other way, and, and it's the only way to solve the problem. And I, will, I have found anytime somebody tells me it's the only way to do something, one, I'm talking to a liar, but two, <laughs> two, I'm, I'm really like, I, I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I've got my thoughts narrowed too far and I need to step back and try and like find other solutions. Yeah. I think so much of, of the strife that we've had over the last couple of years could be uh, taken care of if we just didn't if we just didn't look at the other side as an enemy, almost dehumanize yeah. anyone. And this goes both ways, by the way, but almost dehumanize anyone who has a different perspective than we do. Like if we just understood, look, you're we're all on this journey together. We are fellow travelers on this earth right now in 2022. We are all dealing with a lot yeah. politically, technologically, uh, obviously with, uh, you know, the coronavirus and everything else. We're all dealing with that. And then, the, you know, the, Details may be different, but how can we help each other instead of kind of compare and compete? That's something that was so apparent to me, again, kind of be getting into politics for a time, traveling the state. And I wonder if our state's extra bad at comparison. I, I kind of think it is sometimes. Maybe. You know, it might be a cultural thing. I, I will say, though, I was going to say about politics, though, a lot of people believe that what goes up on cap what happens up on Capitol Hill is very similar to what you see even in DC or what you see in the press and those kinds of things. And the problem is most people have a bad understanding of what happens up on Utah's Capitol Hill, and they probably have a worse understanding of what happens up in Washington, DC. People you don't know, you tend to assume like nefarious motivations, yeah, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter who it is, it's just yeah. a human nature thing. Mm-hmm. And so I have found, you, you talk about compassion, I have found it a lot of value from my Democratic colleagues that I serve with in the legislature, that when I feel like I'm trapped and this is the only way to solve something, that if I step back, rewind just a little bit, maybe listen to the other side, I, I can probably get a little bit of understanding to help me shape a policy that's a little bit more digestible to the other side, so to speak. Do you think most of our state legislators feel that way? Like, do they come to that through experience, do you think? I think, yeah, I was going to say, I'm at this 10 years, and when I got <laughs> in, I thought the Democrats were, you know, were the enemy, right? Yeah. And and now I'm much less so that way, where it's 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 much more nuanced. I recognize there every two years, every four years for senators, uh, there's an election and people have to be forced to make a binary choice. But once that's over and we got to get work done, there's a lot of consensus that goes on at Capitol Hill. And believe it or not, there's actually a lot of consensus. They pass a lot of bills in D.C. Too as many well. bills. Too many. <laughs> but they pass a lot of bills in D.C. And a lot of those bills pass with overwhelming support yeah. there as well. It's just the ones that's that get the That's not the story, news. though. It's yeah, those aren't the, the stories. It's never the stories. I was with uh, Congressman Curtis a couple weeks ago, and those are never the stories that get told. And he's one of the most effective, actually, legislators in the yeah. country. He is, yeah. And so it doesn't surprise me that, you know, the bad rap that Washington, D.C. gets is somewhat deserved because really they're, they seem to present that their job is to do two things, which is – 
express outrage and do nothing. <laughs> it's like it's like their key like objective. What about like get on TV? <laughs> get on TV. Well, that's <laughs> their platform doing of expressing nothing. outrage, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's cool. That's a combination of both doing nothing <laughs> and expressing outrage. Um, so the third tone of the podcast is to not act out of fear. Obviously, we've all made mistakes in the past. We don't need to let those drag us down. You and I lost a governor race together yeah, yeah. to Spencer and Deidre. So mistakes happen. Bad things happen. You move forward. We're moving into an unknown future. Yeah. And I, I don't know how you feel. We're about the same age in our mid-40s. I feel like never in my life has the future been more uncertain. Like everything feels yeah. a little weird. So let's make decisions in faith. Let's go forward and try to help us have the best future possible for as many people as possible. I so remember. Those I are the tenets of the podcast, Dan. I and this comes from like the governorship. By the way, let me just say real quick. Yeah. So Dan McKay is a dear friend. He's been, he was a state... A ho- in, the in the house for like yeah. seven years mm-hmm. and then a state senator for the last three. Mm-hmm. He has a beautiful wife, Tawny, who's also in politics. Yes, she's a city councilwoman in Riverton. In Riverton where they live. She also ran for straight treasurer, which mm-hmm. we could talk about yep. uh, last year. Yeah. Or, yeah, I guess 2021. Yeah. Um, he has six kids. Mm-hmm. He's a great family man. And he was crazy enough and awesome enough when I was running for governor COVID occurred in the critical months. I had not chosen lieutenant governor. Mm-hmm. And Dan came. We stood up together. And Dan was my lieutenant governor choice in the governor's race, which was an interesting experience. So that's our full circle kind of experience. With yeah. Dan's also an attorney, went to Utah State, and does a lot in real estate. You don't practice law. Do you do your own legal docs, though, and stuff like that? I, I do every once in a while. The more and more I hire it. Just outside. Yeah. You know. Okay. So anyways, so that's the background, people. You know, what I love about, you know what I love about your tenants, right? Yeah. Finding common ground, yeah. dealing more with compassion, and then being focused on, you know, uh, not acting in fear, yeah. right? Those yeah. three. And I can honestly say... Those are probably, if I was to walk away from the governor's campaign with my impression of Jeff Birmingham, I think those are probably your three key motivations like in life. Yeah. Would you say that? I think so. I think that's why I emphasize it in the podcast. Yeah, so probably true. Our listeners won't remember that. I won't know this. And, and you won't remember this because yeah. I'm certain this is just, you know, you're, you're the way you've always, you've always worked with things. We were on a, one of our first phone calls that I was kind of welcomed to during, you know, COVID was going on. Yeah. And we had all the campaign staff on the phone. And I remember we were talking about something and a, a staff member was bringing up something that was kind of like a downer to the campaign, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember you were listening, and then you said, guys, is this moving us forward? Is this helping us? <laughs> it feels like we're acting like in fear. This does not feel like us. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's not go down this road. And it literally, the conversation ended, and I'm still, because when, when I'm <laughs> new in the room or anything else, I like to listen and try and yeah. figure out dynamics. And I was like, man, the conversation just ended, which to me is was new. Like yeah. it was a shocking kind of, okay, Jeff's done with that line of thinking, <laughs> yeah. which honestly, it was great. And I think that it's cool to see, I don't know, how you've taken that part of your character and like applied it to the podcast. And, you know, as I've listened, I, it's amazing just to see... You grab that and and then share it through different concepts. It's awesome. I appreciate that, Dan. Thanks for being such a good friend and so kind. You were courageous to step out. I mean that at the time, and you're a great addition, obviously, to our 
to our little run. Unfortunately, it was too short because of COVID. But um, yeah, I try to exhibit these things. I try to live these things. No one's perfect, that's for sure. But I just think, man, we're going into an uncertain time. Let's have each other's back. I I think the future can be brighter than ever. But it sure feels uncertain. And there's been a lot of division, a lot of sickness, a lot of mental illness, a lot of physical sickness with, you know, COVID, et cetera. Uh, it just feels beat down. How, how are you doing? How have you been doing the last, how have you been surviving? Yeah, that's a great question. I can say that um, COVID has taken a toll on me in some ways as well. Um, you know, I, I go into the pandemic and in the Lieutenant Governor's race with you, you know, because basically we were, we're finishing the legislative session, right? And as the, as the end of the legislative session is coming up, we start hearing more and more about this COVID thing and it's spreading and oh no, now it's in Summit County. Let's hurry up. And literally we talked about like adjourning the legislature two days early so that we could get away from it. And then the Monday following the session, Senator Escamilla, she's the first legislator announced to have COVID. Like it was that quick. And so I, you know, a lot of those things kind of came up and then, you know, we were, we were talking about, you know, Jeff invited me down to the house to talk about the Lieutenant Governor's race. We'd met up at the Capitol before and talked about some other things, but it was interesting as I, as I came down to sit down, I think that was the first like face to face conversation I'd had outside my house for like two weeks. Yeah. You know, yeah, when we met. Yeah. Yeah. And so you were still in the process of getting signatures or, and all those things. Uh, This is probably dragging up horrible feelings. (laughs) But I remember... I've tried to repress this, yes. I remember my psyche at the time was, I felt like life was changing. Like, yeah. and, and I felt like I was changing at the same time. Yeah. And um, when I said yes to the lieutenant governor's race, it was, for me, it was like, I'm, I'm going to pivot and change, right? I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to bet on Jeff. I'm going to bet on just things changing. And yeah. I don't know what the change is going to be, but I can tell you, since that race... My mind has changed about a lot of things. Really? Yeah, and and it has been just listening to people and going out around the state like like we did and talking to people. You know, you learn a ton about what people care about. You know, mm-hmm. and even and then you know as we get into the campaign, you know, the signature gathering is going to stop, yeah. and and you know we go from being focused on a primary because we're so close to signature gathering. How are we going to do this? And and I tell you, it was like back and forth, whiplash of campaign. <laughs> that was so, so hard, so yeah. painful, but. Uh-huh. <laughs> But uh, what yeah. I can say, I haven't thought a ton about that. I, I think that is. I think I'll bring that up like in a decade and try to like process it again. Probably shed a few more tears. We should and... bring in a psychotherapist, really, <laughs> to, to help us dissect. But our the truth feelings. is, too, I feel like when I look at it as a whole, I feel like I grew as well. I'm excited about kind of the springboard forward, just in my personal kind of thoughts and growth. Yeah. Like you're saying, yeah. it's all good, you know. Yeah. And I guess that's the thing is, whenever you step out and take a risk, whether in entrepreneurship, we're both entrepreneurs, or in you know politics, whatever it may may be, the one thing you know is that you're going to learn. Yeah, you're going to learn. You may win, you may lose. Yep. You don't know if you're mm-hmm. going to win. You don't know if you're going to lose. No outcomes are assured. But what you do know is that you're going to learn. Yeah. And if you can apply that in positive ways, hopefully it can be a springboard or a slingshot in your life personally to just help you be a more well-rounded, better person. Yeah. And since the campaign, it's really proven to be that that's true, right? I've heard, you know, I'm more, a, a, uh, I guess, attached to the political class, I guess, in the yeah. state. But I've heard from a number of people like, oh, man, it's really too bad you and Jeff didn't win. You know, I uh, thought you guys were great. And, and in some ways, 
it really changed my perception of me a little bit because I always viewed myself in politics. I'm this, you know, I was an unknown when I ran for election the first time. I was surprised I won, honestly. <laughs> I think a lot of people are still surprised I win. But yeah. you've got, you've got, you know, you get that. But I get, I get a ton of feedback from people that say, oh, you guys had a great message, you know. And it kind of changed how I thought about myself a little bit and, and also changed how I, I looked at the process mm-hmm. as well. You remember, I mean, Jeff and I are standing in front of cameras and talking to people on Zoom calls, oh, and kind of, it was so hard for to hours connect. Hours and hours and it was hours a so day hard over the camera, yeah, yeah over Zoom. But I, I, like I holding I, virtual town halls, and man, and she, this must be. I know we're, we're talking about shortly this. after that, though. I like, I'm like, I'm going to quit my job. Yeah, I'm going. Yeah, to, you've had a lot of change. I'm going to like start betting on myself more That's and awesome, trying man. to find more opportunities where I'm betting on myself, and and so far. I, I still have food in on the table and That's we're doing cool. okay. And you attribute some of that to jumping. Absolutely. In. Awesome, man. Well, I'm Absolutely. Glad. I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. I'm I'm gonna pivot here because I, that was it's fun to catch up and to talk about that. <laughs> we could talk about yeah. that for hours. No, it's I think it's fun and it kind of feels good. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> we're good. debriefing. <laughs> but I'm gonna pivot to a big question. So s- since the governor's race, at least the last year and a half, I've been thinking a lot about the future. I've jumped into, started a new technology company. Um, so here's the question, Dan. The entire world is decentralizing. Whether you're the church, whether you're the state, whether you're the federal government, everything is becoming flatter. Everything is decentralized and we feel it. And COVID was an accelerant to this, right? Yeah. Um, can the nation state survive this decentralization? I'm saying like in our lifetimes, we're our mid forties. Let's say we're halfway through our lives and another 40 or 50 years will large nation states exist, Dan? And, and why will they exist? Here's my question. I'm going to throw it to you or here's why I think of this, the amount of cost mm-hmm. and the ROI or benefit. It's really hard to justify when you're being taxed at whatever 30 to 50% of your income, and then you see kind of the services that you get that are so behind the times and so unuser friendly. Mm-hmm. You have this massive decentralization in money with cryptocurrency and in other forms. Does the nation state survive this, Dan? Do our great, do our grandchildren grow up in a world like ours? I mean, this is a big question, but I've been thinking about this. Hit me with your thoughts. Yeah, man. It's such a, so let me just make sure by nation state we're talking about like countries like America. Yeah, like Russia, like big nation yes, China. Russia, big nation states that have have had a ton of power over the last several hundred several hundreds of years, but really if you go back further than that, it wasn't really like that, right? The rise of the United States and other great nations and big nations um I, th- I see that changing. You yeah. see the decentralization of everything. You see crypt- crypto is going to come into politics more and more. It's funny. A- anyways, I mean, this is a, these are big issues that I think people are thinking about. Um, and I'm, I'm curious. Well, and people are looking at the price of what that 30 to 50% are giving them. And they're saying, huh, am I getting the ROI on this? <laughs> yes, like, exactly. And, and I can say... Um, you know, the trend is for everything to be disrupted, right? Yeah. And so your question is, 
is our countries themselves and, and how I we think do, countries are going to be disrupted, Dan. Do you yeah. agree or not? Have you thought about this? Yeah, I have thought. I thought a little bit about this. I don't know if I'm necessarily as far down the line as it will be because as, as they'll be disrupted. Because the one thing that is proven to be true, at least as you look back over history, is that the power, as, as power grows and power now is more information. It used to be yeah. land, yeah. right? Yeah. Now it's becoming more and more information. Yeah. And as information, you know, is, is being wrapped up into smaller groups of people who have that information, you have to wonder, like, how satisfied are they going to be to continue to be, you know, does Mark Zuckerberg love the idea of being hauled in front of Congress and being yelled at <laughs> by people who, or Elon Musk. Don't even Musk. understand his business. Right. Don't even understand technology. Take yeah. Elon Musk, right? Yeah. Elon Musk on Twitter. Uh, you had, uh, what's her name? Uh, the senator from uh, uh, back east, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren. Warren. Mm-hmm. She goes on Twitter and says, you know, Elon Musk needs to pay taxes. He's just not paying enough taxes. He's not paying his fair share, right? Yeah. Which is such an interesting component or question. Uh, of what fair share means, but Elon Musk responds to the tweet and says, you like basically this from a person who has no idea what my business does or how money is made. Right. Which is fair because she's been a college professor. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. She, she can, she can academically tell you, you know, how the economic fiat system works. She can tell you, but when it comes to actually making it, Elon is far superior to that part. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but no. think of these big nation states. They provided protection, Dan. That's, That's just what, it. It's protection. But, but you can't be protected from information, from cyber attacks. Like, quote-unquote warfare is changing, Dan. Yeah. Like, it's not about – it's not the way that it was during, That's like, where I was World going, War II. Who's the aggressor? Yeah. Who's yeah. the aggressor? Like, yeah. who's going to – like, it's these cyber attacks, right, which yeah. are really small. Yeah. They're not government-sponsored yep. most of the time. Yep. Uh, and so how, who, who's going to protect us from those components, right? Yeah. And more and more people are saying, well, the government's not really capable of doing that. Exactly. But I will say there are some things that people just aren't aware happen. Like, for example, you, the state of Utah, we get hacked or we get attempted to hacks. The number of them, you know, I just saw this from the Department of Technology Services, and it is like in the millions by the minute. Really? Right? Of people wow. just trying to like get into Utah because they're trying to get the social security information. Scary, the state. Yeah. So luckily we blocked all that stuff yeah. and it's been fine. But that's happening to us personally too, right? Yeah. If it's happening. It's but it's, our social security numbers, do they matter anymore once yeah. blockchain becomes a more relevant factor? Well, for that's the thing I'm saying. Like the, there's, have you read the sovereign individual? I have not. You should read this book. It's about okay. like the sovereignty of the individual. Yeah. And it basically goes back to we are in charge of ourselves. It goes, it's freedom. You know what I mean? Which I love, but it's also saying we cannot be like one of the things that is going in web three, which is coming that we're, we've been living in web two where Facebook and all these social media outlets own a lot of our information. Mm -hmm. We will be taking that information back, Dan, you will be, your family will be, I will be, I'm saying over the next decade. Yeah. So there'll be a lot, you know, because of privacy concerns, right? And so, well, I'm worried that Web 2.0 becomes the blackmail device for Web 3. For Web 3. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. You know, like they're going to have all this information about your history, yeah. and you're going to want to leave it and go well, to Web 3. Well, that already kind of happens, right? Yeah. I mean, you're that's a, Web 2 kind of already acts like a blacklisting mechanism it does. on truthhood or falsehood, you know, just on whatever may be out there. Um, so it's interesting to consider the sovereign individual. Take a look at that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think that our list. entire 
world is changing. I think that COVID accelerated a bunch of things. One of the things, obviously, it changed in politics, and this is kind of my second big question for you, is there has never been so much money in our system before. Ever. Ever. We think that trillions is just, oh yeah, trillion. What do you mean trillions? We've never done trillions before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've done now what? I don't know, six, seven, eight yeah. trillion dollars that yeah. our country's printed and is now pumping through the system. So people ask, why does my burrito now cost 12 bucks instead of seven? You know, why does, why can't I get lumber for a house? Why yeah. can't I? Well, there's so much money in the system. Meanwhile, why are the, the value of assets skyrocketing because yeah. um, there's so much demand and money that's been pumped into the system yeah. thanks to our federal government. Mm-hmm. How is the state of Utah handling that, Dan? What are your thoughts maybe generally as an individual? And then, But it's true for the state too, right? Like yep. We have excess funds. What are we going to do with those funds? Talk to me about that. A road project that we bid out two years ago at $75 million okay, to build a, a road project up in Salt Lake County. Yeah. We finally got all the final bidding back and had to, you know, a preliminary bidding and now we're back for final numbers. Just got the final bidding back, $120 million. Yep. Okay. So we're looking at a yeah, 50% increase. Yeah, 50% yeah. increase. And so everybody's like, well, how are we going to shore this up? Well, we're looking at record revenues and, you know, we're trying to, you know, we can bridge it those ways, fortunately. But we've seen, you know, the income tax that we're generating is more than we've ever had it before. Our costs, though, we're looking at state employees and we're looking at, you know, all the way through the state system. And we know we have to do something. We've seen 6.8% inflation. So we know that if we don't try to match that number, that our employees actually lost ground. Yeah, and you can't keep people, right? If you lose people, you can't get people back. Or it's well, hard we are. People. The state is shedding people, right? Yeah. So during during record economies, right, people leave the government sector and go out to the private sector because salary and wages are better always there. Yep. You're supposed to get better stability from the state. So those is are that some bad, of the, though? No. <laughs> if we shed no, some, no, if government not. shed some people, it's probably not bad. As long as, as long as government doesn't have a placeholder to recruit that person when things go down. Yeah, which, which they probably do. Which they probably do. But you know, you see, you see that dynamic of of trying to answer those long term questions, and and you and I both know my friend Natalie, who's been on your podcast, yeah, Natalie did a great job. Yeah, she's awesome. Uh, uh, she does not believe uh, that the inflation. You know, her and I have argued about this a little bit, but she doesn't believe that the inflationary measures are here to stay. She says that they're mostly based on supply side, all these other issues. Mm. The, so she doesn't think it's long term. She doesn't think it's long term. She thinks it will. My problem with it not being long-term or not feeling like it's long-term. Didn't the Fed just kind of say the opposite, sorry, in the last yeah. week? I'm no, I Kind of saying, like, we've got to change Natalie interest. and I are, are connecting tonight for the podcast, and so I, I'm looking you forward to, to like, giving her that piece of yeah. information again, yeah. see what she says. But the inflationary bug is the, the hard part, and most people who are economists uh, that know this, once wages see inflationary spikes – it is hard for inflation to unravel itself. Yeah. You can you can deal with short-term inflation in sectors or products or those kinds of things and as soon as the demand returns or sorry either demand returns or the supply returns one of the two you can fix an inflationary measure within a market cycle maybe minimize it. But in this situation once wages start to see it it becomes sticky. And now every employer right now as they're going through these annual reviews trying to look at salaries you see I mean my son was just talking to me at his job. He works at Costa Vida, right? And does it for, you know, three <laughs> cool. days a week. Yeah. And, you know, a few hours a week. And he goes, 
He's getting paid almost $14 an hour. Yeah, that's like a starting wage now. To work at Costa Vida, like, you know, making my burrito, to yeah. your point. Yeah. And I keep going in there, like, my burrito is $18 <laughs> now. I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, we've been eating too many burritos. But the amount of money... Just because you can hear the chair groaning over here from me sitting on it, <laughs> no, it's not fair. How does... Uh, what's the state going to do? do we, and by the way, you know, you know, I continue to talk to the governor and to you and to, but I'm not following politics day to day. Um, so the state has, access, it's why you're right? smiling. Yeah, it is why I'm smiling. It's why I'm happy. I've got this glow about <laughs> me. Um, we have an excess, I yeah. assume. Yeah, we what do. are we going to do with that? How much, what is the, what is the excess? What are we going to do with that? Are tax cuts being discussed? I'm just asking questions that I think are on people's minds yeah. as we go into the 2022 legislative session. So the answer is, uh, yes, we have a lot of revenue. I mean, we're over, a, we're over a billion dollar surplus again, right? I think it's wow. 1.2. And so we're, you know, the state, budget when I first joined on the legislature was around 11 billion. And now we're looking at it being around 25 billion. Wow. In 10 years, 11 to 25 Mm -hmm. billion. Yeah. So we've seen a pretty significant growth, right? In, in the budget. Pretty significant. So, yeah. yeah. So the question really becomes, you know, that's a nominal number. And so if Jeff and I wanted to nerd out, we'd, we'd give you a present value number, which, you know, is irrelevant. But uh, but that factor remains that you know the budget's growing and the it, the expenses the demands are still there, so you're going to see a call for tax cuts. And I've seen you know I've seen some of the preliminary proposals. The governor wants to cut the food tax by giving an income tax you know uh, credit uh, that you know has some merits to it. I can see why you know why he's trying to do that. Uh, you got the same, you know, you see uh, Senator Vickers and I both have income tax cuts, which would cut oh, both, you have a- both the personal and the corporate income tax rate. Senator Vickers, I think, is a modest 0.05% uh, percent, uh, cut, and mine is a, a much bigger cut. It's a 0.35% <laughs> cut, so uh, it's a little bit different. I love how you go big. Yeah, well, you know, it's anchoring, right? In yeah, negotiation, you have to anchor. <laughs> But so 0.35, I mean, that goes from, sorry, 4.95, is that what we're yeah, at right 4.95 now? Yeah, 4.95 to 4.6. So, to 4.6. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, so. It's meaningful, know, but it's not huge. But 350 basis points, and yeah. everybody's saying, hey, that's, you know, well, that's more than $600 million. Yeah. So everybody's saying, well, wait, how are we going to spend the money if you give it back to people? <laughs> and that, that's, that's where the philosophy differs a little bit up on Capitol Hill. Have you guys heard of Under Your Bed? I bet you have by now, if you're listening to the Extraordinary Us podcast. I bet you've searched for it, maybe, and haven't been able to find it. It's true. Isn't that how life is sometimes? (laughs) (laughs) You just can't find what you're searching searching. for. Constantly searching. Well, now you can. Now we've been found. Under Our Bed is finally out. It's really there, people. So type it in right now. Search it up. You're going to love it. Look for it live. Subscribe and tell your friends. Can't wait to have you there with Jeff and Sal. Providing the comedy relief. <laughs> Good night, Sal. Good night, Jeff. Um, how's the state? We, we know that the economy is roaring. We know that uh, entrepreneurs continue to do their thing, which is awesome. And, and by the way, I should give some – and that government kind of stays out of the entrepreneur's way. I'm speaking generally here in Utah, which is awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that. And that's something I've always applauded and appreciate Spencer for. And how do you think Spencer and Deidre are doing, by the way? I think- Our old friends and colleagues. Spencer was on the podcast a couple of months ago. It's, 
he he just man during covid that being a governor is being a governor is hard anytime but yeah. during covid you kind of can't win being yeah. the governor you're damned if you do it was a tough job how, how do you think they're doing you know one thing i didn't understand about being governor uh, or at least the one thing i didn't understand uh, as much is um a friend of mine for example I'll tell this is anecdotally a friend of mine his wife is a nurse and you know, we can talk about stats, we can talk about COVID, we can talk about a lot of those things. And his, uh, you know, when, whenever I'm talking about COVID, I'm very factual, numbers, based, statistics, those kinds of things. And he's very individual. He says, yeah, but you've never sat in the hospital, as my wife has, and told somebody, you know, they're not going to live. Yeah. And he's like, that's really hard to do. And I think I've been stats, numbers, probably guy, because you know, for a lot of it, I've, that's all that it's impacted me. I had COVID, you know, live to tell like most people do, but the governor, on the other hand, governor Cox, in some ways, I feel like he has a nurse's perspective on things. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. We're like caring for the individual. Yeah. Like, I think every, like he connects with a death is, is a loss of a person, of a friend, of a family. He's very personal that way. I admire that like outlook on COVID. But to your point, when you have that outlook, and I say this, my friend's wife, who's a nurse, and the governor, I I think COVID has been really hard on them for that reason, because it's so personal Yeah, where they're at versus, you know, I'm statics, statistics, and, you know. Yeah. Viewing it versus viewing it from kind of a macro state or yeah. nation perspective or yeah. whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. And I've lost, I've lost a few people. Like yeah. there, I've, I've known a few people yeah, that died as a result of COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And so I know COVID's real. It's it's a real thing, and people are dying. I mean, and there may be some that still question that. That's a whole other issue. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, but but that's it. <laughs> let's not talk. Yeah, about let's not talk about that. Let's not go <laughs> down, down that rabbit hole. Yeah, go yeah. there. Um, but you know, I I think if you to the original question, I think the governor uh, is doing as well as can be expected in a pandemic. Yeah, and he certainly, it seems to, Deidre um, Henderson, the lieutenant governor, was a colleague of yours in the state Senate before. It seems like he's really elevated her as well, like, and she's kind of stepping up and doing a good job. I go back to, uh, so I remember an apocalypse, it's it's a true story, actually. Uh, Somebody asked a lieutenant governor once, I'll leave all the names out, asked the lieutenant governor, like, hey, what was, you know, how how, how are things going in the state and this kind of things? And Lieutenant Governor's response to that person was, well, why don't you go ask the other guy in the other office because he doesn't include me in the conversation, huh. right? This is previous to this. This is, this is a previous Lieutenant Governor. I'll just okay, be that yeah. specific. Yep. Uh, but I, I changed that, and you look at how this seems to be a team. Yeah. And that's a very different you know, perspective. I can tell you, I don't know Spencer as intimately as I know Deidre. Deidre and I have been friends for a long time. Um, but... I, I do know that those two are very ethical people. Like mm-hmm. they are truth tellers. They aren't liars. They aren't like trying to pull one over on anybody. Any, you know, it's amazing that they're this far into the administration and there really isn't like a scandal yeah. or not a, you know, not a thing that's like tarnished their reputation. Mm-hmm. It's just how do we get past COVID? How do we get back to a state that's highlight the things that are working in the state, which is we have an unbelievable economy. We have an unbelievable growth pattern. And how are we going to deal with those issues? Because I think those are the issues that Spencer, or sorry, Governor Cox and Lieutenant Governor Henderson want to focus on and deal with. And everyone keeps dragging them and saying, well, why aren't we talking about COVID more? And it's like, 
Yeah. yeah. It's tough. It is tough. So we're talking in early January. The session starts January 18th. What should we be looking forward to? Or and, and by the way, maybe I should just say before that, what is the session like, Dan? You said that like a lot of people don't know obviously what's going on in Utah, or sorry, in the country, what it's like to be up at Capitol Hill, even here in Utah. What is the session like? I know a little bit, obviously, because I've hung out a lot up there when I was running for governor and around the Capitol. And by the way, it was eye-opening to me because I didn't really know. I'd been up to a couple sessions, maybe to testify or to help someone, but I hadn't spent extended time. And then doing that was eye-opening and interesting. But tell, What was, tell what was most listeners. interesting about it? Well, what honestly, what was most stark to me or interesting to me was just the different... I'll just say crowds or mm. like I was from the entrepreneurship crowd. So I'm used to being pretty casual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm used to people being light on their feet, very adaptable, changing, speaking their mind, making things happen. And then I step into this different group of people. Mm-hmm. It's very, ac- I'm speaking generally, yeah. very academic. Yeah very buttoned up, very philosophical, Uh almost less about doing, less about action, which entrepreneurs, including myself, have a massive bias to action. In fact, as I've invested over hundreds of entrepreneurs in my career, one of the things that distinctly every type of entrepreneur, but entrepreneurs have a bias towards action. It's almost like a a lot of politicians have a bias towards inaction, (laughs) a lot of thought, a lot of analysis, a lot of talking, a lot less doing. That's like immediately, when I spend my first half day up there, that was immediately apparent to me. Like this is a whole different like culture of people um, that are just really different from the one that I was used to. So that was the most stark thing, honestly. And you also go from like the entrepreneur world is very active, very aggressive, right? Also, like, like you said, speak your mind. And I can honestly say that the legislature and maybe Utah's population at times tends to shift to a passive-aggressive perspective, yes. right? Yes. Uh, and you know, they, where they care less about speaking their mind, they care they care more about how you feel about what they're yeah, saying. Yeah, and, and about appearances. And, yeah. yeah, a lot more about appearances. Mm-hmm. It's it's that very quality that probably gets me in trouble because I probably have more of an entrepreneurial mindset. You do. Where I, which I appreciate I, that. Yeah, I say here's what I'm thinking, and you know. You don't like it, go to hell, right? Yeah. Can I say that <laughs> yes, in Utah County? Okay. Yeah, you can. I, I just wasn't sure. This, this <laughs> I'll, I'll beep to it out. Okay. Don't worry about yeah, it. Thanks. But real quick, you you have had a little controversy. I'd say that even like when we met years ago, just briefly, the, the feeling was a little bit of controversy. Would you say this was beca- this is why kind of? Because you yes. speak your, you more, yeah, to the point. Yeah. Is it hard for you to operate then? In this? Yes. And again, I'm going to, I'm speaking very generally. Hopefully people don't get offended and I don't offend legislators. I'm not... Kind of, you're you're operating in this group of I'm just nerds yeah. that are like thinking <laughs> yeah. and talking about how to do things and less about doing things. Oftentimes, yeah. like the the culture was very stark and apparent. You need both sides, by the way. I believe. Um, I'm not saying I, I have a bias towards the action and entrepreneurship side. Sounds like you do too, as well, which has stirred some things up. Is it hard for you to operate in that system that's different though than you are? Yeah. For okay, yes is the answer. Yeah. To, you know, to so the judge doesn't say I'm not answering the question. It is harder for me, but I I go to you know I love to study history, and so Washington was very much the thoughtful political aware he was kind of slow playing action sometimes some people say he was indecisive he would just sit back and wait those were washington you know like views 
But on the other hand, Hamilton was like, act, 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 go, 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 right? Yep. And I would say there's there has to be a balance between the impetuous kind of Hamilton style. Agreed. And there has to be balance between that and, you know, the Washington style where he's like, well, if given a choice, we just let's just sit back and wait for things to happen. Yeah. And by the way, I'd, I'd say that Spencer's more on the Washington side. I'm yeah. speaking generally. Yeah. I would, do I we would, have enough rabble rousers up there like you? Enough. I mean, or do we if not? you ask Spencer, he says he has too many. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what would you say? He'd probably say this one is too many. <laughs> yeah. but that's would you say that, that you wish there were more or you think it's good? Like we have a good balance or I'm just I curious. Don't, I don't know. I will say the one thing as a country, I feel like we're shorted out in history. Hamilton died when he was 47, 49 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Was That was his death. Mm-hmm. We didn't get an opportunity to see Hamilton mature, and, mature yeah. and get to, because you remember Washington's in his 50s when he's fighting the Revolutionary War. Yeah. Hamilton's not there until, you know, he's in the 20s when he's there. Yeah. So I, I, I would say like we didn't get an opportunity to see what an impetuous person turns into <laughs> as he gets patient. Yeah. So I would just say it's probably it's probably good, and there's a good balance up there of rabble rousers trying to make things change. I wish there were a few more, but that's you know, but there's no guarantee that they would be rabble rousers that are trying to make the same change <laughs> I am, and that's yeah. the problem with rabble rousers. And you know this, right? You <laughs> yeah. brought this out, and nobody else will know this. But in our in my interview session with Jeff, when we first said, <laughs> Jeff said, and I, I I remember this because I think about it all the time now. <laughs> it's Jeff's it's Jeff's voice that tells me this, even though I know he probably got it from others, which is you know Dan McKay is not a great team player. Right, he's not a great team player, and so this I is think what I about, said to you. Yeah, I don't remember and exactly. I, but yeah. I, I, you know, and I think about that I said, all the like, time. This is your reputation. Yeah, this is your reputation oh, of yeah. you know. I'm kind of bold, Dan. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. but I have taken that into okay. How can my feeling? I'm sitting in eight hours of caucus meeting. Right, mentally, I have made a decision within two minutes of the presentation of information as the direction. We ought to go, and I feel like it's the best way to go. Unfortunately, in the caucus, there's 22 other people we need to bring along, yeah. right? And they haven't made the decision. And some people feel like they need to talk before they make a decision. That's mm-hmm. not wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just that's how they feel. I'm not that guy. Yeah. And so it, it is, I'm constantly hearing your voice, <laughs> and you'll laugh about that. It's true, but I'm constantly uh, hearing your voice. To remember to be a team player. To, as I'm yeah. sitting in these meetings that are long to say, be a team player, yeah. listen a little better. It's interesting. It's interesting. I think uh, type A kind of personality leaders, which I am, I think you are, yeah. Dan, there does, there's a seasoning effect, right, yeah. based on experience where – and I think, by the way, those end up being the best kind of leaders, the people who can get things done, who have strong conviction and, and can persevere and, and, and are uh, persuasive, but they also can bring people along with them because you never win alone. No one ever wins alone. In fact, if you win alone – by the way, you didn't win. Yeah. You didn't really yeah. win. <laughs> you well, were there alone celebrating say, your own victory. I it's about say, bringing the team with you. So true, right? Yep. And, and that's the hard part about the type A personalities, and it's true of Hamilton, the same thing. Yeah. You, you can be great if you survive the duel. Yeah. Right. But there are there are duels. A personalities get stuck in these duels all the time that sometimes the, you know, the backbencher leader kind of avoids those duels and outlives us. Right. Yeah. So I can say that there are a few tech people right in Utah who are great tech startup people, but they are in the middle of jumping in front of a firing squad on a regular basis. Yep. And I'm not going to name them, but yeah. it, you, you know who they are and, yeah. and bless their hearts. Like, if they could avoid the duels, they'd be far better off. But 
it's it's painful to see us duel. <laughs> it is, and I know exactly what you're talking so about. So you, I think your question was like. So what's the session? So yeah, yeah two, kind of two like, last questions here. <laughs> We've already gone. I'm sorry. Good, no, it's Where are fun. We at? Forty three minutes. Oh fun. My gosh. Um, what uh, so what what's the session like? Yeah. What's the session like? Frenetic. I told you what I yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's frenetic and and it's is it fun? Exhilarating? Oh, boring? So I, I love it because for a guy with you know adult ADHD, mm-hmm. which I struggle with, yeah. uh, it, it's great because there are a million decisions to make on a daily basis. Right yeah. from am I going to eat that muffin right there? <laughs> There's a lot of food consumed. Right? There's food everywhere. Yep. Am I going to eat that muffin right there to what am I going to do about Medicaid? What am I going to do about covering this budget? Are we going to build that building? What, what about this road? Where about, what about these things? What about this policy over here? Are we going to deal with the death penalty? Are we going to deal with this you know, criminal justice issue? And you're literally bouncing mentally from issue to issue to issue. And I would honestly say that the legislature is a fertile playground for people with ADHD because you have to bounce everywhere. Fortunately, not everyone, you know, a lot of my colleagues get totally overwhelmed with all of that, all of it that goes on because they're not built that way. And so it's, it's kind of a different environment that way. And you know this too, you watch all these legislators walk around and it's funny, the crowds that you talk about, right? The legislators (laughs) are probably the most like basic, regular people walking around there. And I would say there's a lot of times that people walk away from a conversation with a legislator and say, what an idiot. <laughs> that person uh, would not. And yeah. the only reason I say that yeah. is because, like, I'm an idiot when somebody comes and talks to me about a specific issue in healthcare. Yeah. I'm a real estate guy, right? About NFTs. NFTs. And yeah, right, right. You go through the list of things I yeah. don't know. That's true for everyone. Yep. But, but you can take 104 people, 104 legislators, and between us, we're an expert on almost everything mm-hmm. because there's a mouthpiece for everyone. And in, on, depending on the policy, depending on the issue, we have an expert to deal with every single one of those issues. And it's really amazing. But when you talk to just one of us, you might walk away saying, boy, that's dumb, right? <laughs> but but that, that, I think, is, a, is an amazing part of it. And it shows you, I think, really the strength of a legislative body but then to your question that we kind of talked about before we get started was how long are people going to be patient enough to wait for a legislative body to make decisions? And it's actually one of my, like if I looked at my top 10 risks to the country, one of my top 10 risks is that we decentralize so much that we try to empower every citizen to make every decision, right? Yeah. And in that process, we lose the ability to listen to experts. Yeah. And we lose the ability to act maybe together. Yeah. I mean, this is part of tribalism, right? We're mm-hmm. kind of going back, not just tribalism in our own thinking, our own thinking because we're getting fed the same kind of opinions and ideas, but we're becoming more tribal and more decentralized and more local, hyper local. And anyways, it's look at the argument over voting. Yeah. Okay. You, you have some people who believe the only true and living way to vote is to show up and use a pusher that pushes through a dimpled chad <laughs> a and right like yeah, the little, like little, little are, poker yeah. things Pokers, are right yeah. you remember what they are I don't florida know, yeah. made them infamous yeah i know right so you know the that's the only way to vote or to fill out a scantron and that's the only way to vote and you have to do it in person and you have to show an id think about all of those things right 
if for some ex- some reason a retailer online, if Amazon required that much effort to buy something from them, yeah. you would never buy anything yeah. online. And that's why I look at our little mobile devices, right? And I say, well, there's going to be a push at some point for all those f- folks who think that's the only true and living way to vote. There are going to be a lot of people who say, can't I just vote on my device? And once you get to voting on a device, right, you can use face ID to recognize the person. Yeah. That's far better. Now, once you can do that, and, you know, blockchain, yeah, I think is going to solve a lot of that, yeah. right? Hopefully. So once, once you can do that with your device, now we're going to see the ability to decentralize decisions rapidly. And that's where I think technology is going to rapidly change and decentralize things. And I'm a little bit, I don't yeah, know if it's going to be, be good or bad. Like, I know. Yeah. You got to, it's going to be. mixed feelings. It depends on us, right? It depends on the people. But How I believe we... this, it's going to work out. Yeah. Like we're, we're, we are we're as gonna a species, we're going to figure yeah. it out. And the one thing we have proven is that sometimes entropy or the ability to go from organized to chaos can actually produce amazing results. Yeah, I think it's a good point. What what specific issues should Utahns and the rest of the nation be looking at this year uh, in terms of the legislative session? I think that the the citizens of Utah especially ought to be watching how the state of Utah is managing growth. Yeah. I think that's a big problem. How do you, how do you help manage growth? I mean, like affordability for housing. One is, is crazy, Dan. You know, yeah. we both have kids. Well, my oldest is just back from a mission and at, at BYU. You're, you have kids that are, you know, moving out or getting close to that. Like housing, what, you know, what's up? Remember, remember... Um, we spoke about this a you lot. Remember, yeah. remember, remember Boy Scouts, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We used to have competitions in Boy Scouts as to who could build the biggest fire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And eventually what ended up happening in that is everybody kind of gathered around the biggest fire mm-hmm. and that it became the center of camp or whatever yeah. it was. And that was yeah. kind of the thing. And, you know, we, I took that later on in the life and we would throw pallets and build huge bonfires out on the beach or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think a little bit of what you have going right now is the, the idea of building bonfires, right? And, and it was kind of an economic development model where states around the country were building a bonfire of growth. And they're trying to figure out how do we economically grow? If you're not growing, you're slowing. And everybody doesn't, nobody wants to slow. So how do we prevent that? So we went out and, you know, under previous governors, we set, we threw our sparks down and we, you know, started a fire. And other states did the same thing. And some states like, you know, decided to start small fires. And we started a big fire. And we we set the whole freaking state on fire, (laughs) right? Yeah, there we go. And now now we have the opposite problem, right? Where we we have so many people that have gathered around the fire that we literally don't have a place. We don't have sleeping bags for everybody in the scout (laughs) camp, right? (laughs) Yeah. And so those sleeping bags are really expensive. They're like Gucci. We're running out of bags. And we're running out of s'mores. And we (laughs) know. And rioting is coming soon, right? (laughs) Like at the scout camp, that was next. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, fortunately, Piggy grabbed the conch and slowed everybody down on Lord of the Flies. It worked out. But I'm convinced that we are, we have overheated ourselves in a lot of ways and we need to be, and and we are doing this now under Governor Cox's administration. We are being more, I think, laser-like focused on the type of employers we want to attract and and the deals we're willing to make from a tax uh, perspective to make sure that they get here. That said, trying to slow the fire in a way that it doesn't like burn out mm-hmm. is also really hard. It is, yeah. And that's, that is honestly, I think that growth perspective, it is a pain right now for sure. I mean, in the 80s, everybody was worried about the Great Salt Lake filling back up again. 
Yeah. And we're putting pumps out so we can pump it out to the West Desert, right? Yeah. Now, during our lifetime, we've seen it gone full. You know, we had a summit today with Speaker Wilson, and he had a summit on how are we going to save the Great Salt Lake? Because if the water disappears, yeah. then all we have is a giant dust bowl that can't be built on because of the soils on it. Yeah. So And it now, creates, it hurts the environment. It yeah. creates dust storms. And, it, yep, it, will, it becomes it will, a mess, right? It will decrease the quality of our snow. You go yeah. down all that list. So... So those are the growth issues. And how do we do it? I think it's going to be a nuanced, harder, slower process than anybody wants it to be. And in the meantime, I think everybody just needs to buckle up and be prepared for what we have right now, which is higher home prices. And I think we will eventually catch up. I really do. We have the land. We have the know-how. I want my kids to be live here in the state of Utah, right? Yep. I don't want them to go to South Dakota where there's plenty of room. Yep. So growth is the issue. I mean, that was the issue during the governor's race. That's the thing that I was beating the drum about. Like, we need to be proactive. The problem is politicians aren't paid to be proactive, Dan. No. They're not elected really to be proactive. And we They're more reactive, them. right? But yeah. it's too – growth is here. It's hard to get on top of it in my opinion now. Go ahead. But the problem is can I take money from you to solve the growth problems? No. Yeah. I mean, I can't. You, yeah. you, no, I mean, I know the issue. Right. Yeah, I know what you're saying. You, you yeah. can't. And, and so that's the problem. You know, and that's my worry, honestly, with watch how the government manages growth because they start incentivizing the wrong behavior. Yeah. And that's what, you know, that's what we're, we're worried about now is are we chasing the wrong incentives and how do we avoid that? Yeah. A way to slow growth is to double the state income tax. Yeah. Can you, can <laughs> you imagine? Growth. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine the hills above you, right? The yeah. state just decides, you know what we're going to do? We're going to build apartments all up the hill right above Jeff. Yeah. That, like people will light themselves on fire on that <laughs> issue too, right? Yep. So that's Indianism. that. So so the growth. So I think growth. Is what other specific things in the session? Anything else? Yeah, I think you know you also see us dealing with uh, justice and you know how we're reinventing our justice system. Right. Mm -hmm. We we have been a long time. I mean, back to the feudal system. We have been a retributive government. Right. Where the government is, how do we punish people? How do we put them away? Lock them away? You know. Um, and, and now we're focused more on, you know, how do we rehabilitate? Yeah. yeah. How do we, baby. yeah. The other side Academy. Yeah. We were there for, um, you know, Joseph Grenny. Yeah. Do you know, the other I side do. Academy? Yeah. they are doing, we were there for new year's. We spent new year's Eve with the inmates. It was, or sorry, Christmas Eve, sorry, with the inmates or, or with the people that should be in prison, yeah. but that are students right. in Tosa. It was so inspiring, Dan. You've yeah. been there. It is so – there are better ways to do this than to just throw people in jail, right? Yeah, yeah. One of the biggest debates this legislative session is going to be over the death penalty, yeah. like whether or not we should continue to do it. Mm -hmm. I personally am one has felt like, no, we shouldn't. And so, you know, again, we're being proactive because right now we only have seven people on death row and we aren't issuing death sentences a lot. Yeah. And so a lot of people are saying, well, does it really matter? We can keep it from a negotiation tool, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. I think it is a primitive practice and like to see it go away. And so that will be an important debate uh, that will go on this, this mm -hmm. next session as well. What about the flag? Is the Utah State flag changing? <laughs> see, I'm forever going to be known as the flag guy. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm saying because I kind of like the new flag. Yeah. I, and I don't even, I haven't stayed up to date. Are I, you still working on that? Yes, we still are. <laughs> okay. And so we start the public process for like submitting drawings and everything else. That will be on January 18th. I, th I thought there was a design. I thought it was cool. I saw it. So we have a commemorative. I wanted to give people the opportunity to see what a redesign of the flag could look oh, like. Okay, but then and that's what that was. We Got adopted it. 125th anniversary of statehood flag. Got and it. that flew And now it's kind of like, give us your best ideas. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And so now we kind of have that process and that debate going on a little bit more as well. So you've survived COVID. Yeah. Tawny's a wonderful wife. You have yeah. beautiful children. 
Um, let's end on a high note. What gives okay. you hope, Dan, for the future? You know, again, I don't know. Do you agree with my sentiment at the beginning of the podcast that like everything feels less stable than it like yeah. ever in your life? Like uncertain. Yeah. Again, supply chain issues, inflation, cryptocurrency, technology, political divisiveness, race issues. Like just everything is woo woo. Do you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And us on a high note, Dan. Okay. What gives you what gives you hope, Senator McKay? So what gives me hope is uh, so I read uh, I read a book called Infinite Progress, and we're pimping books on the on the <laughs> podcast <laughs> I guess today. So, yeah. so I read a book called Infinite Progress, and basically the book was basically despite our government, we're getting better all the time. Mm-hmm. Healthcare is getting better, you know. Maybe not more affordable yet, but it is getting more affordable, right? Yeah. Things are being disrupted on an on a infinite basis, and we're constantly seeing improvement despite what the talking heads and everybody else is saying and even political pundits. So here's my challenge for you, for my listeners, everything else. I hired somebody to manage my social media. Oh, and And really? legitimately, I log into Facebook or Twitter a couple times a week right? Just to see, okay, what's out there, right? And occasionally a friend will send me a link that, you know, will be something, some funny video or that kind of thing. But that is all I do with social media. I am not, this is crazy. I'm not listening to the news. Yeah. I, I, I don't subscribe to the newspapers anymore. I have literally, and I tell you the thing, this is why it gives me great hope. The more we turn our back away from, we turn our back away from the, or turn our Turn our backs on the artificial connections, yeah. which are the fake, you know, happy birthdays and all these other things that happen on social media, right? The the fights that go on on social media, all that stuff. The more I turn away from those things and focus on authentic re- relationships, right? I made uh, one the of happier my, you are, yeah, the happier the I am. And one of my New Year's resolutions this year, Jeff, was to 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 pick my five people that I'm going to purposefully spend time with every week, mm. right? Outside of my family. That's cool. And I'm being more like sniper focused about who my connections are going to be with. And I will tell you, and I promise the same thing for our listeners and others, the more you step away from the digital artificial connections and step into authentic, real connections with your neighbors, who cares what their opinions are? In fact, the crazier the opinion, the, the better off you might be. Because you're going to start to recognize that despite that crazy opinion or whatever it might be, you're, you're going to find value in that individual. And that, my friend, I think is probably my greatest hope is as I've unplugged and walked away from those social media platforms, I feel a better connection. I feel a better connection with my Senate colleagues. I feel a better connection with my family, a better connection with my friends and That's who awesome. are actually my friends. Yeah. And I love it. I love that. Thanks for being a good example for our state, Dan. Seriously, and thank you for your service. One thing I learned running for governor, it's not easy to be a legislator. I I mean, I knew that, but it's not easy to be a governor. I mean, this is public service. It's called that for a reason. I appreciate your service. Thanks for giving us a preview of what's coming up in the Utah 2022 legislative session. You are. It's good to be with you. Good to be with you. Always. Always. Senator Dan McKay. 
what a character, what a good guy and friend, whether you lean politically right or left or in the middle. Again, I believe that we are all a lot more alike than we are different. Dan has a reputation for leaning pretty far right, which which made me a, a little nervous, honestly, just because of the reputation or a little bit of the controversy of getting things done that has followed him. But look, I know Dan McKay has a good heart. I know that he's a lot more centrist than than you may think. Um, I think he's a problem solver, and I appreciate that. I've been thinking so much about the future and, and the nation state. By the way, a nation state is a political unit where the state and nation are congruent. I'm reading this from Wikipedia. It's a more precise concept than country since a country does not need to have a predominant ethnic group, which obviously we don't hear per se in the United States. We are a melting pot. The future of the nation state is going to be interesting over the next coming decades. As decentralization occurs, as fiat currency loses some of its allure and power, as we continue to pay higher and higher taxes and wonder what the, quote, ROI is on that uh, massive investment that we all make, um, it's going to be interesting to see how the nation state, how politicians change. I'm grateful for Dan. Um, he was my lieutenant governor choice uh, in 2020 as I ran for governor. It was a hard time. If you remember the uncertainty in March of 2020, that's what I was going through in my governor run. And that was the month that I asked Dan to join me after COVID had kind of struck. After it hit, he was courageous enough to step out. I, I was so happy to hear him say that that was a blessing in his life, even though, even though we did not win. Um, and that it's kind of spurred him to continue to be entrepreneurial and step out to believe in himself. I'm excited for the future of the state of Utah. I always am interested when the legislative session is on. It starts January 18th this year. I hope that our legislators maybe do a little less this year, maybe legislate a little less. We always celebrate the amount of laws passed. I, I, I joked that when I was running for governor, I'd give an award for the legislator that passed the amount, the least amount of new legislation. Freedom to the people. That is where we're at. That's where we're going. I appreciate Senator McKay, his family, and uh, his friendship. And again, we'll never forget the uh, commercial, the, let's see, the announcement that we shot of Dan being my lieutenant governor, where we were six, far, six feet apart. We were throwing the, <laughs> the hand sanitizer around. Dan literally squeezes like an inordinate amount of hand sanitizer on his hand. He like just keeps squeezing and squeezing for like 20 seconds. It was hilarious. He's got a great personality. It's funny. I hope you enjoyed the legislative uh, preview today on the Extraordinary Us podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Us Podcast with Jeff Burningham. Please help us grow by leaving a rating and review and subscribing at your favorite podcast platform. Also, tell your friends and share on social media. See you again next week. Sally. Jeff. 
I heard you jumped out of a plane. Is that true? That's true. You can hear all about it on Under Our Bed, Sally Skydiving in Dubai. It's hard to believe, but it's true. It is true. We have a podcast called Under Our Bed. We hope you'll check it out. Subscribe in 2022. We talk about important and funny things. Yes, like skydiving, like when someone you love dies. Yeah, lots of sad. Lots of, we cover we the cover gamut. life. Yeah. If you're interested about life, if you want to hear a couple talk about life, come join us, Jeff and Sal, under our bed. You will love it, I guarantee. <laughs> love you, Sal. Love you too. Good night. Good night.